Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This week, our hosts will talk about the role of pastors in ministry and the many challenges that a pastor will face. They'll answer questions such as, what should a church look for in a pastor, and how should a pastor act toward his congregation? Stay tuned after to find out how to get a free MP3, Faithful and Relevant Pastoral Ministry. You are listening to Mortification of Spin, and this time me and my cohorts, Carl and Amy, we find ourselves in a Starbucks, not just any Starbucks, we're in the Starbucks in the Encounter Church. The Encounter Church used to be, uh, I think, some sort of mega mall, um, but now it's quite lovely. There's leather seating areas and uh, this lovely Starbucks, there's pastries, um, there is what looks like uh, was a zip line that leads into the, uh, the worship encounter space. Um, and we're just here sipping down some coffee and uh, uh, people watching, wondering about um, the church, pastoral ministry. I do believe it was the pastor that zipped by us just a minute ago <laughs> um, into uh, the, uh, the service. And uh, I, I, it looks like another one of the staff members is getting ready to ride a, a Harley Davidson in for some sort of a sermon illustration. Um, I, you know, Carl, I've got to tell you, I, I'm not nearly that cutting edge. Now, Amy, I don't know what it's like in Presbyterian churches in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if uh, zip lines and Starbucks are common. Um, <laughs> or, but or indeed uh, running hot and cold water and electricity. <laughs> so. exactly, exactly. And I mean, Amy just looks relaxed given the fact that there are no marauding bands of cannibals. But I'm, I, I, you know, in the Shenandoah Valley, um, I have yet at our church to install a zip line. Um, I, I don't know if the people would appreciate it that much. Um, I, I don't know how friendly. I can see you now coming in on the <laughs> I think it would be quite. I think it'd be quite a treat. Yes. Pipe and smoke. Absolutely. I think it'd be trailing pipe smoke behind me. It could be uh, smoke rings. Exactly. I mean, which which really brings up the pressing issue for me, which is just what level of zipline skills is it necessary for a pastor to have these days. I think in the OPC, uh, zipline skills, you don't need particularly good skills in that area. I mean, it's about mm. 25 feet from the back of the auditorium <laughs> to the front of it. So you can't even you build can't, up any momentum. Yeah, you don't build up any momentum in that time. I mean, you put the zipline on and then I, I literally step from the back of my church to behind the pulpit. You should so. maybe right. do the motorcycle thing then and just wheelie in. Yeah. Motorcycle yeah. could be good or sports car. Sports car. Nunchucks. Nunchucks would be good. Of course, you know, Carl, you... You know, you tease me, but you've you've really joined the ranks of the mega church pastor because, um, as an OPC church that actually runs over a hundred, um, that puts you in superstar status. <laughs> it does. It? In fact, we're 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 touching uh, 160, 170 most Sundays now. Well, so I am with a large women's ministry. Man, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm like the OPC Ed Young. But yeah. without the teeth and the hair. Wow. Oh, that's uh, too bad. That's you, the kind of level I'm so on. So you're right. selling the your own toothpaste. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And my new book, uh, Your Worst Life Now, is uh, coming out fairly shortly. Um, Good. Yeah, make every day Monday morning. That kind of, uh, that's, uh, that's the, the, the follow-up volume. You get a free so. cup of this coffee. Right, right, right. It does look, though, when you look around at churches in the United States in particular, I think you can tell a lot about people's theology by the shape of pastoral ministry. Uh, whether your theology drives your pastoral ministry, whether your pastoral ministry d- drives your theology, there is an intimate connection between the two, such that observing pastoral practice in a church will reveal an awful lot about what the theological convictions or lack thereof mm-hmm. there are in that particular congregation. Yeah. Would you agree, Todd? Absolutely. In fact, it, w- it was really interesting. I was reading a church's um, online uh, email n- newsletter just within the last two weeks, and they're searching for a senior pastor. And, and one of the things that made me very sad as I was reading uh, what they were communicating You're to the congregation. You're looking for another job already? <laughs> no, no. And we thought you were doing so well. No, 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 no. All Pruitt records. I promise you that's not what it is, but I cannot get into the details. Though. No, no, that is not what it is. But 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 it was, it was sad to me because, and this is where, you, to speak to your question about what actually what, what, how pastoral ministry is done really teaches a lot to the congregation about what it believes. So, so for instance, the, the elders of the church were communicating to the congregation, here are the qualities, here are the things we're looking for in the next senior pastor. And not a single thing on the list was a biblical category or a biblical qualification. Mm. And not a single biblical category, not a single biblical qualification made the list. And it was, it was, for me, a very sad moment for the state of this church and the church. This was an evangelical church you yep. were talking about? Yep. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty stunning, even, yeah. even by contemporary yeah. standards. It was, it, was, it was just very sad. And it made me think, again, I, I've, I've been preaching through Acts, and, and we've just gotten through part of chapter 6. And, and you know, in, in the first seven verses of chapter 6 is the, uh, is the creation of the office of deacon, basically. Where the el- as a part of that, the elders of the, the the apostles, the forerunners of the elders, so to speak, um, are making it very clear: here is what we have to do. We can't do these things because we have to be committed to these things over here. And of course, what they had to be committed to was the ministry of the word and prayer, because that's what pastors do. Mm-hmm. Amy, you're a woman. I know you're an honorary guy, but you're also a woman in your spare time. <laughs> I know. Uh, what are you looking for in a pastor? Great teeth, blonde hair, you know? Yeah, what, that's what the first of... thing I look for is, you know, is he well-dressed? Yeah. Um, can he speak clearly? Okay, and so Todd is disqualified is he, straight uh, away. energetic? <laughs> um, yeah. How much he smiles? Is that that's the anti-Todd you're describing? Yeah, bite his lower <laughs> lip. What is yeah. his taste in coffee? Like I'm finding at this um, this church we're visiting today that, you know, I think that the coffee says a lot about the pastor it as does. well. does, mm, mm. yes. <laughs> None of this blonde roast. Starbucks right. tend to burn their beans a little, do you Absolutely. think? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. over mm. overburnt beans. <laughs> but no, I was just thinking a lot. I've had a, a conversation with an, an older woman about pastoral ministry, and I was just thinking of, of how maybe the different generations have been looking for different things. And, and one thing this woman noticed was that a new pastor came into a church, a younger pastor, and um, the pastoral visits just kind of stopped. And that all got delegated to the elders of the church. And, you know, someone in this woman's generation thought of it as, you know, very important for the, the pastor to personally visit 
them when they're ill or maybe when they haven't made it to church because, you know, of their elderly condition. Um, And so for her, this was just, you know, one of the main issues. What do you guys think about that? Mm. And what do you think maybe are things that the the younger people are looking for now coming into Mm -hmm. the church? Yeah. Well, um, I, I think it's important for pastors to be involved in visiting members of the church. Now, um, the larger a church becomes, the church has to understand. And this was a pretty large yeah, church. Yeah, I mean, the church has to understand that not every single person who finds themselves in the hospital is going to get a visit from, quote, the pastor or the senior pastor, the senior minister of the church. As the church grows, that becomes less and less likely. And that's, again, part of the, the ministry of, of elders. I think deacons also are suitable for part of that ministry, as well as mm-hmm. the godly lay people in the church. Um, that said, whether you're a pastor of a church of 80 people or 8,000 people, if you're a pastor, you need to be, in my opinion, you need to be involved in the visiting of people in your church um, because it's a part of what pastors do as shepherds. Um, and I would say also there's practical implications. I'm a better preacher if mm, I am in the homes of people in my church and in certain cases also in the hospital rooms of people in my church. I'm a better preacher. I'm a more empathetic preacher. I'm a more, uh, my, my preaching is, is, is more on Sunday mornings when I know the various stories that are going on in people's lives, it makes me a better preacher. Mm-hmm. So I serve them better as a preacher when I'm visiting. Yeah, I agree with Todd in, in broad principle there. I think it can vary from church to church. Mm-hmm. In my own situation, the church uh, has not been able to afford a full-time pastor. So mm-hmm. I was brought on as the part-time mm-hmm. pastor with primary responsibility of making sure the pulpit is filled consistently Sunday by Sunday. And with another full-time job, that, that limits the ability to visit someone. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I you know, newborn child, uh, serious illness, hospitalization, those kind of things would certainly visit discipline issues, of course. Mm-hmm. One, one does personal visits. I tend to go either with my wife or with one of the elders, depending on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the issue. But I, I think the personal contact is important. I think a broad elder strategy on it is useful as well mm-hmm. in that we divide our congregation up into elders have particular responsibility for a particular lists of people. And it's, they're not required to visit them, but they are required to effectively check in, check up right. on them. Mm-hmm. Whether that's on a Sunday or during the week, it doesn't matter as long as we've got some idea uh, of what's going on. And each elder reports at the monthly session meeting if there are any issues or anything that we need to pray for or pay particular attention to among the congregation. Mm-hmm. So I agree with Todd. Personal contact is very important and does impact the way you preach. I preach differently at my home church yeah. to, to churches when I'm visiting because I know the people in my mm-hmm. home church right. and I tailor my message somewhat to needs, issues within the local congregation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I would think that there's also this this line that you cross to where you're so consumed in right. the personal visits that your own children or your own mm-hmm. wife is being neglected. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. then... Well, and those are things that a pastor has to guard. So a pastor has to guard uh, the health of his family. Um, I I understand why Paul would make a statement to certain people and saying, you know what, probably be best for you to be like me and single, uh, because mm-hmm. the fact is, um, with the responsibilities of being a husband and a father, um, I have to draw certain boundaries that Paul or, or a single pastor does not have to draw. Now, I'm glad that I'm married and have kids. I wouldn't do it any other way. But a pastor who's married 
has to take personal responsibility for drawing those boundaries. And I haven't always done it well. Um, my, my family's had to sacrifice a lot of time with me. And can you imagine sacrificing time away from me? Um, but, <laughs> it would uh, be hard. It would be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hard. But that said, a pastor's got to be able to draw those boundaries. And then the other thing is, is that a pastor cannot let those sorts of things, visits and being in touch with people, if that begins to impact negatively the time he's able to spend in preparation and the teaching and the yeah. preaching of the word, then that's wrong too. And again, it's it's very clear in Acts chapter 6, the apostles said, as wonderful and important thing, thing it was, we're talking about distributing food to, to hungry people mm-hmm. who would starve without it. And they said, we can't do that because if we do, we won't be doing the necessary thing, which is ministry of the word and prayer. And, uh, you know, Carl's, there's a lot of part-time pastors out there. There's a lot of bivocational pastors Mm -hmm. out there. And to them, I would say, if you have to choose between a visit and preaching and teaching and, and preparation for that, then read the first seven verses of chapter six and make the choice that's clear at that point. Mm. Well, speaking of um, ministering to the congregants, um, what do you think are the top issues that um, have come to your attention in in the church today? That free range chickens. Free range chicken. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. Potlucks have mm-hmm. been uh, a lot of tension. Plant based diets. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people struggling with that. Yes. Organic uh, toys in the nursery. Uh-huh. Yeah. Food justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Failure of the church to transform ballet and theater in oh, yeah. uh, Chicago and New York. This is going downhill very quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy, what was your question? <laughs> what you know? What do you think are the pressing issues that pastors yeah. need to address with, diet, with the people in their church? <laughs> uh, so okay, so Carl, because it, it does change. I think. Uh, yeah, you're, Carl, you're still in Philadelphia, so you have a lot more um, pathology to deal with. Than yeah, I, I think right wing politics. Is going, <laughs> no. I'm going, uh, I think, uh, and I, I talk, you know, I'm pastor of, a, I suppose, what would be called as a, a modest-sized church. It's not a small church, a modest-sized church. Speaking purely from my limited personal experience, I think uh, internet pornography uh, is is a big issue and not likely to, to vanish mm-hmm. anytime soon. I think uh, the usual tensions within marriages, mm-hmm. um, that would be an issue. I think there are certain... You know, every, every church throws them up, uh, characters who simply do not like the authority of, of church office. Mm-hmm. Uh, one has to deal with that on a sadly fairly regular basis. Mm. So those would be three things in mm-hmm. my, my limited experience. And then just, you know, the normal range of human depravity. Mm-hmm. And bad Christian books. Bad, uh, <laughs> combating bad Christian we, books. We yes. burn them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Todd, Todd taught me about that. Absolutely. Can of gasoline, lighter, yep. Yep. gather a crowd uh, in the car park. Uh, my daughter did something interesting. She's cleaning our backpack. The school year just ended, and she just finished her freshman year in high school. And she's like, Mom, I'm making a burn pile of all the, the work I did this year that I really don't care about. And uh, interestingly enough, then she had the pile of work that she did care about. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really was kind of a defining moment for her. Yeah. It's like a Pruitt disciple. Absolutely. Yeah. Does my heart good. She's like, I want to invite all my friends over with their burn piles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she started smoking a pipe recently. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I would agree with everything Carl said as far as the, the, the kinds of daily, weekly sorts of things we, we deal with in people's lives. So on, on, on any given day, um, somebody will talk to me about an issue with pornography, an issue in their marriage, 
um, heartbreak in regard to child raising type issues, um, also suffering. So mm-hmm. um, we have, you know, in any church, you're going to have people dying of cancer or um, suffering that comes from various other sources. And, and so helping people um, navigate that, um, helping people uh, to die well is um, is what happens in just the the ordinary work of pastoring. And, and it's interesting, Carl mentioned, you know, helping people see the value and the place of uh, those in spiritual authority. Now, obviously, we, we, we've heard a lot about spiritual abuse and, and different things like that. We, we all recognize that there's goofballs out there. But the fact is, the Bible also does establish leadership within the church that is there to help God's people through discipline, through encouragement, through the ministry of the word, et cetera. And oftentimes, I think some of the struggle that people go through is that uh, they've become detached in a practical sense uh, from the ministry of the church. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the officers of the church, they they either don't have a biblical polity, so they don't have officers in the church, Mm -hmm. or or those that do serve might um, might not be doing a very good job of it. But I, I think part of the past, the, the role of the elder in the church is to help God's people um, live in community so that either in their suffering they find comfort or in their sin they, they find correction. Do you think it's um, harder now to foster this community and facilitate this community within churches with um, all the busyness that we seem to have. And, you know, a lot of people commute quite a ways Mm -hmm. to go to church and then, um, you know, we're texting and Mm -hmm. we're, you know, a lot of relationships are through social media. So how's that affected the pastoral ministry? Well, the rise of of the consumerist approach to church also. So I, Mm -hmm. I, I treat the church the way I would treat a grocery store. I go to the one that, that, gives me the best goods and services. Or I go to one for the produce, and I go mm-hmm. to the other because they have the cheapest price on Ben and Jerry's. Mm-hmm. And it's not unusual anymore for people to find churches, no, yeah. for people to, to find people in their churches that come to this church for the music, but then they go to the other church for the youth program right. or, or, or that sort of thing. And so the idea of being in covenant, having taken vows to a church, is anathema to some. Yeah. I think uh, the invention of the automobile changed the church yeah. permanently. Mm-hmm. Made it very difficult to discipline because somebody can just jump in the car right. and drive. And, and you'll even find churches within the same denomination sometimes. You know, it's easy to be a Presbyterian triumphalist on discipline, but actually yeah. I'm pretty sure if you discipline somebody in one church and they drive far enough, they'll find somebody else yeah. in the same denomination will take them in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The automobile transformed church discipline and transformed community life in a very, very fundamental way. Mm-hmm. For myself, I don't see membership vows as any less serious than ordination vows. Right. And yet people will walk away from their membership vows as if it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. at all. Right. I mean, there are, you don't like, like the church. There are ways we would right. never stop somebody leaving our church unless right. they're under discipline. But there are courteous and procedural ways mm-hmm. of doing that that allow you to honor your vows right. uh, while moving to where you wish to move to. We're not a cult. We're not going to say, no, you can't move. <laughs> right. But there's a way of doing it that allows you to to not break your vow. Mm-hmm. But we live in a very casual, right. casual era. One of the things that I've appreciated so much about being a Presbyterian now is the presence of vows for church members. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. Now, I yeah. knew it was coming because I'd been studying 
uh, <laughs> Presbyterian polity, and I'd been reading the Book of Church Order for a couple of years before I actually made that switch. But mm. I'd never seen or had a category for people joining mm. a church and taking vows before the gathered fellowship. It's a powerful moment. You thought it would be the Moonies or something. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, it was a really neat thing. Um, my pastor and elders asked me to kind of revamp our church library, which is kind of like a glorified walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. So as I was going in there and looking through some of the things, I found like all these little cards like from a, where you would check out your book, mm-hmm. but it was just a stack of those library cards. And I was looking at the names on the cards, mm-hmm. and you know these people are like going on 60 years old now, some of them, who were checking yeah. out the children's books <laughs> yeah. back in the day. And I just thought that was so cool. And then mm-hmm. some of the titles, you know, Making Friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was yes. hilarious. But, you know, that it made me so thankful to be in a church where the families did take yeah. that covenant. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, speaking of pastoral ministry, that, that, that helps in pastoral ministry. I can't tell you now how many times we've had conversations in session meetings where we're able to say, you know what, this person is a member of our church. This person has taken membership vows. We have a responsibility in their life. Mm. Or, you know what, this person actually never has joined. They attend regularly. So we really don't have a significant voice in their mm. life. And what we try to explain to people in our membership class is if you don't join this church and take vows, you limit what we are going to be able to do for you. Mm-hmm. One more personal question, maybe. Um, I just always wondered this, an observation. How difficult is it, or is it difficult, um, since you're the pastor and you're the one doing you know, the head shepherding of the church, mm-hmm. um, is it hard just to make regular friends <laughs> in, the, in the covenant community? It's hard for Carl you know, to make friends in got, any community. You know, just, I got you and Todd and, <laughs> and my wife and... <laughs> I mean, seriously, I kind of feel yeah. sorry for pastors in that way because you are held up to this level and then you're, you know, a big part of ministering the discipline. I like to chat to strangers in bars and pretend they're my <laughs> yeah. friends, you know. Hey, hey there, fella. Yeah, Dave be my friend? and <laughs> Brian and some of the guys' name I can't remember, but they're all good friends. Todd's pipes are um, his friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Todd has an imaginary friend. I do. Sylvester. I do. And, uh, <laughs> He's a very good yeah. friend. It's embarrassing. We used to travel with Todd, and he wouldn't allow me to ride in the front because <laughs> Sylvester, his invisible friend, had to sit in the seat I, at the I front. I want everybody to know that Carl and I are joking about this because, because we either joke oh, about it or we're going to start crying. He's, he's embarrassed about it now. You see, it all comes out. Amy actually asks a very good question because the fact Why is... Why don't you get Sylvester to answer well, it then? Car, see, Carl, Carl Truman has the luxury of being... Like quad vocational. Quad vocational. So he he has friends all over yeah. the world. Yes, yes. Um, just nobody in my own neighborhood. Exactly. He doesn't like the people in the church. I've never no met big... any of my friends. Yeah. I just tell oh. if, if Carl if Carl doesn't like the people in the in his church, then he's got the faculty at Westminster. Well, they don't like him either. But he, yeah, I, was got... de- I was dean for six years. Like <laughs> he's got much. somebody somewhere. But but Amy, I would say this that it, it it's not easy. I, I don't have time to have a whole network of friendships in all these different areas. Um, I am fortunate, all kidding aside, I am fortunate to have some guys like Carl out there who I can and have. And Sylvester. And Sylvester <laughs> commiserated <laughs> with on any number of occasions that I yeah. wouldn't be comfortable with, particularly in a church. However, that said, I think it's very important for a pastor to have friends in his church I, I used to be told as a youth pastor, 
You're never going to have close friends in your church. Mm. I understand where that comes from. I mm. get it. I just don't think it's healthy. Um, I need my wife to have good friends in our church. I need to have good right. friends in our church. Yeah. Um, we're blessed to be in a church where we can see that happen. That said, I may tell Carl things and a couple of other guys I know that, that I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable saying somebody in the church. Mm-hmm. But, but that said, a pastor needs to be very careful not to get really lonely because he right. can isolate himself. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do that yeah. in pastoral ministry. Yeah, and I, would, I would think it would be hard to kind of just be yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Your church knows you're a sinner, but as soon as they actually see the specific sins, they get real upset. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they know you're a sin. They know you're a sinner, you know, kind of categorically. Right. But is, if they actually see one of them, they, they tend to freak out. Yeah. And I, I think friends are important from a criticism perspective as well. I yeah. found this, in, I, I learned this in the academic world before, before the pastoral word, but in the academic world, there are four or five guys worldwide whose opinion I really value. There are lots and lots of competent academics, yeah. but the four or five guys I'm close to, and if my work's trashed by somebody and I turn to those four or five guys and they say, you know, the person's got a point, or yeah. no, the person doesn't know what they're talking about, I trust their opinion. Mm-hmm. I've transferred that into the church. Uh, there are a number of the elders I, at Cornerstone that I'm close to. I trust them. Again, Todd uh, is a guy that if, if an issue came up at Cornerstone, difficult pastoral issue, he's one of the guys I would email immediately without giving names or details but saying, look, the situation's come up in the church, what, what advice do you have? So I found it very helpful to have uh, guys give advice like that. And, of course, Amy, you know yourself, mm-hmm. I've call on you as I call on Katrina, my wife, to to get a a (laughs) fashion (laughs) advice and a woman's perspective on things. Right. I think it's helpful to have a woman's perspective Mm -hmm. uh, on these matters. All right. Well, I think this has really been a great conversation that counts. And I just want to thank everyone for listening to Mortification of Spin. And um, please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And we'll talk to you next time. You've got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your past said Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you've got a friend in me Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold to the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Don't forget to go to mortificationofspin.org to download a free message, Faithful and Relevant Pastoral Ministry by Terry Johnson. While you're there, be sure to check out the blog section to find extras and read articles by our hosts. Listen in next time when Carl, Amy, and Todd attempt to apologize to their listeners. I'm sorry that... uh... What am I sorry about? I'm bad at admitting I'm wrong. (laughs) I was just going to say, this is great. Amy doesn't regret anything. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off. I've got a regret. I've got something I'm sorry for. And Carl finds an interesting topic for conversation. John Piper has no regrets. Well, that's outrageous. Well, that's next time on Mortification of Spin, when we'll talk about how leaders need to use their platform even to admit when they're wrong. We'll talk to you next week.
I lost Amy. Lost you on I'm just audio. getting I'm just getting expletives deleted flashing on my screen. That's all <laughs> she's just frozen. Yep, now she's frozen. I got kicked off again. Get, well, I I think you it was got, because of the profanity. Can... Oh, brother. <laughs>